0: Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas, and I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Before we get to the message, I want to encourage all of you who live locally to go online and sign up for one of our backyard barbecues this summer. Oaks barbecues are your best opportunity to meet and make new friends at Oaks Church to see all the available groups and sign up, visit oakschurch.com forward slash groups. Now, let's check out today's message. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oaks Church is a church that prays, amen? We're people that pray, we're people that believe, we're people that fight for what's right, and I'm so proud to be a part of such an amazing group of people. Uh, we're starting a brand new series today, the series is called Go, Your Place And God's plan. And we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about this. This is a very exciting season for us uh, at Oaks Church. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have never advertised at all. Brandon put stuff on social media and that's about all that we got, right? I mean, we haven't advertised. We haven't even tried to grow. We haven't even asked you to ever invite anybody. This church is just, God is making it grow. He's actually bringing people and drawing people, and it's absolutely exciting and incredible. But we're moving into a phase right now that it's time, and the Lord is speaking to us as church leaders, that it's time for us to begin to really focus in on the mission of God and what He's called each and every one of us to do. Why are we together? Why did He draw us and bring us together and again put us to where we could link arms and be side by side? There's a people that he wants to reach. There's, there's a mission that he wants us to accomplish. And it's time for us to take our place in this mission and to recognize that, that we can make a difference in the world around us and that we can draw people to God. Amen? So this series is about us finding our place in the mission. And we as a church, we're going to begin for the very first time to advertise. There's actually a a mailer that's going to go out. There's a number of social media, different things that are going to happen. You may see one at your house. You may get a beautiful picture of our church staff and a welcome you're invited type thing that shows up at your house potentially. uh, And I hope you're proud of it and you stick it on your fridge and you pray for your church staff uh, as well. But we really want to encourage each and every person to really begin to pray and seek the Lord for who God has placed in your life for you to influence for God. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm a pleasure seeker. Can I just admit that? Can I confess that today? There are two great motivators in life. Two great teachers in life, uh, motivators, are love and hate, those are the greatest motivators. Uh, pain and pleasure are also great motivators that are connected to that love and hate thing. We, we feel pain, so we hate. We feel pleasure, so we love, and those two things are intersected, and I can be very clear and honest, I have learned some of the greatest lessons in my life from pain, right? Pain is a fantastic teacher. I only had to touch that stove one time, right? Never had to learn that lesson again. It was pretty, but not that pretty, right? And so I never touched it again because pain taught me. But if I'm honest, I'm a pleasure seeker, I, I, I love good food and I love nice vacations and I, and I, you know, I mean, for me, if I feel really good about myself and I just think I deserve a reward and, man, I'm just really awesome today, Joel goes and gets sushi. That's Joel's reward. That is Joel's happy place, right? But here's the flip side of it. When I'm down... And when I feel like I need a pick-me-up, I go get sushi. Why? Because maybe I'll remember the last time I felt awesome, right, when I have that. That's just me. Everyone has that. And we all, every human being on some level, we seek comfort, we seek pleasure, we reward ourselves or we medicate ourselves when we're down. This is just something we do. And everyone has different ways of doing it. And it's not necessarily bad, but we can't make pleasure our goal. We can't make comfort our goal because even though God has created us, I mean, in his majesty, God created us. Your human body, all of every cell in your body longs to worship God. All of your senses were created for pleasure. We see things that are beautiful. We hear sounds that inspire us. We smell smells that take us back to our childhood, right? We we have sensations and feelings, and, and all of these different senses that we experience are part of God's design because contrary to popular belief God wants you to enjoy pleasure. He made you to enjoy pleasure. And actually it's to God's pleasure when you enjoy pleasure. How do I know? Because he's a loving father. Do you remember the first time you gave your baby ice cream? And you saw who? Oh, the look on their face, and oh, they had to have more. And as a parent, we live for those moments, right? We live for those moments where our children see pleasure and, and experience, and have those things. But we also understand, as parents, that our kids can't eat ice cream all the time, right? That we, if it was up to us as human beings, there would be no pain, no sorrow. Uh, 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 chocolate cake would have no calories, right? You'd never have a wrinkle. You'd never lose hair. Uh, you'd have the perfect metabolism and your perfect beach body like Dave um, with, without any efforts whatsoever, right? It, that's, that's what we would want. But we live in a world where there's chaos. We live in a world where there's pain. We live in the world where, where we, if we're going to obey God, we cannot stay in a place of comfort. Although God approves of pleasure, he's not so focused on your comfort all the time. He's calling us out of a place of comfort because there are a people to reach. There's a mission for you and I to be a part of, and we're all called to go. Every single one of us are called to go. I want to take you to a place in Scripture today. This is Matthew 28. It's been called by Christian scholars, the great commission. The great commission. A mission that we are all on. We are all cooperating on this mission. The statement I'm about to read to you was not just for the disciples that were with Jesus at the time that would become the apostles. The statement I'm going to read to you right now is the command. It's the mission for everyone who would ever believe in the name of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 18 says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Somebody say go. Go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. And then Jesus ascended into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God and he went to war on our behalf. Jesus is our advocate. In in, in children's church, you probably were taught that Jesus lives in your heart. It's not actually Jesus living in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells inside of you when you put your faith in Jesus. Jesus is actually living in heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he is your lawyer in heaven. He defends you at every turn. He speaks your name in the throne room of heaven, and he prays for you 24-7. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He dwells within you. Jesus is with us always, even to the end of the age. And there's comfort in that. And the reason that there's comfort in that is because we're not called, like I mentioned before, to stay in a place of comfort. We're called to go on a mission for God. I'm going to give you three Two-letter words today and walk you through a little bit of a process that I hope will help you understand. The first word we've already said is go. Go is possibly one of the most powerful and if not the most expensive words you can ever use. If my wife says I'm going to go to Nordstrom, I get very nervous. (laughs) When I think of my children going off to college, I I I think about how much that costs. If I'm going to go anywhere, there's some type of financial connection to going anywhere. Because for me to go and get in my car means that I've had to pay for a note or pay for it in advance. I've had to purchase gas. Go is an expensive word. People are sometimes concerned and offended about churches needing to talk about finances but the problem is churches weren't called to stay in one place. Churches were called to go. And the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest vehicle that God has ever created to release goodness and love and change the world. It's the organized body of believers that creates and makes up the church. We're not brick and mortar the bible calls us lively stones your living stones that god has fashioned together and in his masterpiece he's placed us beside each other on top of each other in building blocks that create the church of jesus christ and he calls us to go and go is expensive it's expensive in our own personal lives if you go out to dinner If you go to school, if you go get married, there are expenses that happen with the word go. And each and every one of us has to count the cost. We have to count the cost in our own lives. Are we willing to go and be on mission for God? You're called to go. And what happens oftentimes is whenever we think about going, in this passage it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel." Baptizing them, and somebody could even. Well, I, I mean, I'm not a preacher, Joel. That's your job, that's Brandon's job, that's Stephen's job. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a worship singer, that's Tiffany and Taylor and Brenda's job. I, Obi, man, Obi, you did so good today, man. You got those smooth tones, man. Smooth sounded good today. I'm like, ooh, lounge singer, man, right there. His velvet shoes on, looking good. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought on that one. I'm sorry. What are we talking about today? Go. We don't have to be a preacher, right? Now, here, here's, this, is, this is the actual verse. The actual Bible says that our job as church leaders is to equip all of you for the work of the ministry. Our job is not to be the goers. Our job is to be the trainers and the equippers. Because you are the ones that have circles of influence and spheres of influence where people are that they would never come into this place. I'll never meet those people unless you go. Those people will never hear the word of God unless you go. There are a people group, there is a people group, and there are a people that are your people that he has put you in the midst of, and God is saying, go, 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 because he wants you to reach people for him. Well, Joel, I'm I'm just a banker. I'm just a school teacher. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a nurse, I'm just a doc, I'm just a whatever, I'm not a... It doesn't matter. None of our excuses excuse us. We're all called to go. And we've got to take up our responsibility and find ourselves in the middle of this mission. We're secret agents, each and every one of us. And we have a special set of skills. Each one of us has different talents Different abilities, different skills that God has specifically given us and equipped us with so that we can be the ones to reach the people around us. See, when another passage where it talks about this great commission, it says, first of all, in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, these are increasing circles of influence, expanse, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. We've all got to figure out where we can start. And where we can find our place in the mission. And you don't have to, by the end of this message, I'm going to, hopefully, my goal is to help you to understand how simple and easy it is for each and every one of us to go and to be a part of expanding the influence of God and to be a part of growing God's church. I hope that you have friends and family that you're thinking and you're praying about and, and, and people in your sphere that w- you would say, oh my gosh, if I could just get this person to be a part of Oaks Church on Sunday morning, if I could just get this person to come and to hear these messages, to come and to be in this atmosphere of worship, I know that God could change their life. I hope that your heart begins to stir to see what God may be able to do through you. I want you to look at someone next to you and say this next phrase, it's not about me. It's not about me. Now, I didn't say, I could have said it the other way, tell them it's not about you, but I thought somebody might get a little ornery there. I wanted, to, I wanted you to, to focus in here a little bit. It's not about me, right? See, there's a, the second two-letter word that is in opposition to go is me. Me is the opponent of go. Because me is about what I want. If it's about what Joel wants, it's a bear claw for breakfast every morning. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love a bear claw. You know the ones I'm talking about big a- apple fritter looking thing like this bi- oh. It can't be about me. It can't be about you. If we live for me, if each of us lives for me, no one comes to Jesus. If each of us lives for me, God's mission does not get accomplished. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's about him and what he wants. And he's calling us to go. He's calling us to be a part of this mission. I want to read a story to you. This is the story of the conversion of Saul. From Damascus, who would later become the Apostle Paul. Interestingly enough, the name Saul means asked for, desired, all that in a bag of chips. That's what Saul's name meant. I'm the stuff, I'm the one everyone wants. And that was Paul's life. Paul was an expert at the law, he was a student of Gamaliel, and I'm saying his name wrong, but that's okay. And he had been trained in the highest levels of the legal system of Israel. And he was standing there giving approval when the young missionary named Stephen was stoned to death. It says that they laid their cloaks at Saul's feet and Saul was standing in approval. When I see that, I I see that picture as Saul was the instigator, right? We all had that friend that was the instigator in school, the one that would talk all the stuff and get stuff stirred up and then step back and watch chaos happen, right? We all had that friend that, that, that was the problem maker. Saul was that guy. He was the one with the big mouth that could stir stuff up. And he's on a mission to destroy Christians and destroy the church. And that's where we pick up this story today in Acts chapter nine. Verse one, it says, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, Christianity, the original term, that Christianity was called was the way. We are the way to heaven. We are the way to the Father. Jesus is the way. If he found anyone that were a part of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone down from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He knew it was God, but he asked, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I'll explain that statement in just a moment. So he trembled, he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then Lord said to him, arise and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. And when Saul got up from the ground, He was blind. Although his eyes were open, he was completely blind. And the people that were with him had experienced this and seen him fall to the ground but didn't comprehend what had actually happened to him. So they led him blind by the hands into the city where he waited for three days and three nights fasting and in fear of the Lord with absolutely no vision whatsoever because the light of Jesus Christ had blinded him. And the statement that Jesus made was, why do you kick against the pricks or kick against the goats? And that's a picture, uh, a word picture of how an ox would be put into the yoke to pull uh, the, the cart or to pull the plow. And they would put a Uh, like a stick or, or a row of sticks behind the ox that were called goads and if the ox would get feisty and try to kick back to fight against he would actually stab himself and so what Jesus was saying to Paul is or to Saul at the time is that Saul why are you being so stubborn you mule Why are you being so stubborn and kicking against me? I'm the one who has put this passion, this desire. He was going out. Saul had a desire for God. He had a piety for Jehovah, but he didn't understand that Jesus was Jehovah. And so in his attempts, in his passion to be for God, he was actually fighting against God. And so God arrested him and woke him up. How many times do we get twisted off? We start with good intentions, and we get twisted off. And we begin to focus on me. Instead of on what God has actually called us to do. See, passion can easily be twisted. Paul saw the passion of Stephen... That Stephen looked into heaven and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And Stephen was willing to go, to, he was so passionate, he was willing to go to his death and be the very first martyr for Jesus Christ. And it stirred this passion inside of Paul, but his passion was twisted. Do you know another word for twisted that's not quite as nice or cute? It's the word Perverted. To pervert means to take a bad or a sick turn. And oftentimes we can start out with intentions that are good, but we can take an ill turn or a bad turn. And we can get off the path and off the mission, and God has to come and wake us up. He's calling us to be on mission. And when it's all about me, our passions and desires can be easily twisted. It's nothing, nothing wrong with each and every one of us having different things that we desire, different things that we want to do. But if we're not careful, our business can become a god in our lives. Our children can become gods in our lives. Uh, sadly, I've watched families... That fasted and prayed, couples that fasted and prayed and believed and believed and believed for that baby to come into their life. And then the baby comes into the life and becomes the God of the family. And years down the road, a beautiful, powerful marriage disintegrates because the baby became more important than the marriage. This is an interesting balance. See, anything can become an idol. Your business can become an idol. Your children can become an idol. A relationship can become an idol. Your finances, your aspirations, your goals, things that God made you to do. There was a time in my uh, professional career before I came into ministry that I had a friend that woke me up to this fact Because I was on this mission, I was on this path, doing what God had created me to do. And I had good intentions, but I didn't realize that I had made my mission more important than the one who called me on the mission. It's important that we keep God the center. Keep God the first. I'm going to finish the story starting in verse 11. We are introduced to a man named Ananias that was a believer there in the, in the region, and God called Ananias and said, look, I've spoken to this man named Saul from Damascus in a vision, and I've told him that there's a man coming named Ananias that's going to lay hands on him and heal him of his blindness. Watch this, verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he may receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, watch, watch this, go, here's our word again, Ananias didn't want to go. This was an enemy. This is a murderer. This is, the, this is the person that's trying to kill all of us, God. Are you crazy? Don't, don't save him. Kill him. Take him out. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Watch. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. God is a God of pleasure. He's created us to enjoy it, but He's not called us to live in comfort. He's actually called us to be willing to suffer for His name. Are you willing to suffer for God? Look, I believe that God wants you blessed. I believe he wants you to prosper. There's so many places in scripture. There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about God's desire for you to prosper and do well, for you to be in good health, for you to succeed. There's so many verses. But there are also a lot of verses that talk about how for the cause of his name that that we have a calling to suffer on some levels. Now, you don't need to go and look for suffering (laughs) Suffering will find you, <laughs> right? It, it just, it, it comes, right? We, we, don't, we don't need to be, and there are certain parts of the body of Christ where, where they've taken up this, um, this type of behavior where they, create suffering for themselves, vows of poverty and vows of celibacy. and vow, I mean, there are so many of these different vows that aren't part of what God is not calling anyone, unless God specifically tells you something. But there is no doctrine of celibacy and, and, and avoiding marriage. There is no doctrine of, of impoverished living. He hasn't called you. That's not part of the teaching of Jesus. But he has called us to obey the specific instructions that he gives to each and every one of us. And there are some of us that God may call to be single for life. And there are some of us that God may call to lay down all earthly possessions or whatever to follow his name. One of the greatest heroes to me that I've ever seen uh, in the body of Christ is a man named Bill Wilson from, from the Bronx. Bill Wilson started many years ago in the Bronx doing Sunday school for kids. He was a drug addict that got radically saved. We, a few years back, went and took some teenagers to be a part of what they call their Sunday school. And they literally do Sunday school for 30,000 children in the streets of New York every single week. It's amazing. Pop-up Sunday school. Sidewalk Sunday school. It's amazing. We went and served and helped and, and all of that. And I'm literally, we're on the bus, and you've got these families. We're driving through. Look, we had people. We're walking with our teenagers, and we had people there saying, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. This is very dangerous. You need to go back where you came from. You're not from here. Th- that's the type of neighborhood we we're doing missions work in with teenagers. And, and we're on the bus driving around to pick up these kids, And we would have a three-year-old baby holding on to the hand of an 18-month-old baby walking down the sidewalk and climbing up onto the bus and going to Sunday school with no parents. Desperate people. Hopeless people. That's who this Bill Wilson guy was ministering to. People that would allow... Toddlers to be in charge of infants and go to Sunday school all by themselves and ride a bus across New York City. Crazy. But Bill Wilson was being the surrogate father to tens of thousands of children. Had taken a vow of poverty. Still lived with a roommate. Taken a vow of celibacy. Claimed that the church was his bride. That's a calling. It's not for everyone. That's his mission, not necessarily your mission. You've got to find your mission. You've got to find what God's calling you to. That's an extreme example. That's like Paul was an extreme example, similar to this Bill Wilson guy. Paul had a radical mission, and he became most likely the most influential person in the early church history besides Jesus Christ. Are you willing to suffer for God? See, this, this word go, it's wherever we are. And there, if I can be honest, there have been times in my life where I was really, really, really good at this. And times that I get desensitized to it. And I'm in a season right now where the Lord is reawakening something inside of me. I, I, can, I, can, I, can I be honest? I missed it yesterday. I, I've been on vacation, traveling, got back for, in town for like three days, go to a two-day wedding in Fort Worth, drive back this morning to, to be with you this morning, couldn't wait to be here, but busy, busy, busy. And, and I'm, yesterday I'm in a Starbucks and I've got my wife's coffee and I've got my coffee and, and I'm just trying to get back to the room and there's a homeless man. They want some money. I'm like, yeah, hold on a second. And let me set my stuff down. And I grab him some money and I give it to him. And I I have this thought in my heart. You know, Joe, you really should pray with the guy. But I was late. And I didn't. And I'm a pastor. And you might think, oh, Joe, come on. You do great things for God all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But what if it was that one? What if God wanted that one? And, and I'm, I'm grieved today that I was too busy and too concerned with the tall Brevet 3 raw sugar latte than I was to pray for one of God's kids. And I want to repent to you today because I'm going to live on mission at a higher level than I've been living lately. Yeah, we started a church, and yeah, we're doing mission and right here, and yeah, we're ministering to people, and yeah, that's wonderful, but it's about the one, guys. It's about the one. It's about the people in our everyday lives. It's not about, this is our celebration. We come together, we celebrate, rah, 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 we sing, we worship, we fired up, fired up, fired out, and then every day there's somebody. Come on, what if we lived on mission like that? What if, what if it was one client? Father, show me the client that you want me to love today. Show, show, me the, show me the client you want me to share my story with today. Show me the one. Guys, we've got to, we've got to wake up. Because we get so into our lives and our, our earnings and our business and our portfolios and our kids and our soccer schedules and volleyball and all this stuff that goes on. And we, we march through life, march through life, march through life. And we step over hurting people step over them I want to do better I want to do better and I believe God is calling us as a church to go on this mission and to be willing to take cold coffee to my wife because there is a mission he's calling us to go And, and, and it all starts with this. It starts with just going where we are. Where are you? Have you noticed how people are in a room but not in a room nowadays? Having dinner with their family and nobody's there. Everyone's on a screen. We gotta be where we are. We have gotta be aware of who's with us. Jesus was sitting at a well in a little city one day waiting for the one. People passing, passing, passing. Just sitting, waiting. Disciples are going to get lunch. Jesus is waiting for the one. A woman walks up. She's a promiscuous woman. She's got a dirty past. She comes to the well to draw water. Jesus is Jewish. She's a Samaritan. Jesus speaks to her and says, hey, would you draw me some water too? She's shocked because Jews don't talk to Samaritans. They certainly wouldn't drink water that one had drawn because Samaritans were considered dirty. She says, why are you even talking to me? Now, this is a woman who has bad history with men. Chances are, and I'm just creating, and coloring in the story, she may have assumed that the only reason you're talking to me is because you're a man and you want something from me. Because every other man in my life has wanted something from me. And Jesus responds with what I would consider the, the greatest pickup line of all time, if that's what he was doing. It's not what he was doing, but he literally, he just fans the flame. He says, girl, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. You'd never thirst again. That's how I got Jennifer in the first place. I'm <laughs> Girl. This, this lady's like, who do you think you are? I mean, that's, I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story. Who do you think you are? Our fathers, the, and she goes in this whole history of whatever And Jesus begins to reveal to her that he's the Messiah. He says, The one that you are speaking of is in front of you right now. Why don't you go get your husband so I can tell your husband who I am? She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, I know. You've had five husbands, and the man you're shacked up with right now, he ain't even your husband. She says, I perceive that you are a prophet. (laughs) And she gets radically saved. And then she goes to Bible college for four years. She gets her theology degree. She goes and does an internship at Hillsong United in Australia. So she could be trained how to do real ministry. And finally, after seven and a half years, she comes back and becomes a missionary. No. This promiscuous woman who knew everyone in town for all the wrong reasons left her conversation with Jesus and went throughout the entire village and said, come and meet the Messiah. The man I just met a few moments ago and the whole village puts their faith in Jesus Christ because of a promiscuous woman who wasn't qualified but she said yes to the mission and she went anyway. Amen? We've got all these prerequisites. Of what it takes to be a great missionary for God, a great minister for God. When I run into different people from different walks of life, they'll say, So, what seminary did you go to? I didn't. What Bible college did you go to? I didn't. I got trained at my own church, School of Hard Knocks. I was trained by the Holy Spirit. I spend hours and hours and hours and hours with Jesus. You don't have to have some kind of fancy degree to be, to be used by God. You just have to go. You just have to go. And you go right where you are. Just start where you are. Who around you will listen? Just find someone that will listen. You know, one of the easiest things, everyone's got something to say, but very few people will take the time to Listen. When we would train kids on the mission field how to walk up to people and have conversations, we would literally train them how to walk up and say, hey, will you tell me your story? Will you tell me your story? And just loving someone enough to take the time to hear their story and then shine the light of Jesus into it is incredible. give you three very practical steps and we're going to pray. The first one is simply this, love whoever you can, love who you can. Who can you love? Who's in your circle? Who's at the Starbucks you sit at? Who works in the cubicle next to you? Who's in the carpool line? Who's in the PTO? Who's who's the other parent on your kid's team? Love who you can. Number two, give all you can. Nothing says I love you like generosity. Nothing says I love you more than giving. That's why it's such a big part of the church. That's why it's such a big part of our Christian culture. Because even the world understands that if you love someone, you give to them. Any of us that are married, we didn't get engaged without giving a gift. you got to put a ring on that finger. It's a symbol of love. It's a symbol of commitment. So love who you can. Give all you can. Number three, after you've listened... Tell your story with God to whomever you can. See, you don't have to be a Bible expert. All you have to be is an expert in your own experience with God. Do you need to know the gospel? Sure. It's as it's simple. Mankind screws everything up, we can never be good enough. So God sent Jesus to come into the world to die for our sins. To be raised from the dead. He's coming back again. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. Say yes to Jesus and you can be saved and you can spend eternity in heaven. Guys, it's, it's, it's just say yes to Jesus. That's the gospel. Say yes to Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. You don't have to be an expert. But you got to tell your story. Every single one of us have a story. And this is what Jesus himself said. He said, listen... Don't worry about what you're going to say in advance. I will give you a mouth. <laughs> I will put the words in your mouth, is what Jesus said. We just got to be willing to go. I wonder if there's anybody here that will take this challenge today and will continue with this next week, part two, I'm very excited about next week. But I wonder if there's anyone here that will really grab a hold of this and feel what I'm feeling right now. I'm in a place of repenting for being too busy, too busy even doing God's work. So busy doing God's work, I'm officiating a wedding. I'm joining two families together. I'm making a couple one in God's sight under God's eyes. I'm doing something important, so important that I step over someone that God wanted me to love. I pray that something wakes up inside of each and every one of us today. We recognize that there's a mission that we're all called to go on every single day of our life. Who can you introduce to Jesus? Who can you introduce to Oaks Church? Who can you love? Who can you give to? Who can you draw into the family of God? Let's go on mission, amen? Amen. Would you pray with me today? across this room. Father, I ask you right now as we Get ready to transition this service that you would begin to inspire us, awaken something inside of us every single day of our lives. Let us no longer be numb to the hurting people around us, but wake us up on the inside with an empathy, with, 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 with a drawing and a passion and a love for the lost, Father. And give us the courage just to open our mouths and say whatever you fill our mouths with, to draw people to you. God, we're imperfect people. You're the perfect God. Help us to draw people to you, to be used by you. And Father, let this church be a church that's full of salvations every single week. Let this be a church that's full of missionary Christians that live their life on mission. They live their life going into the world around them and sharing the love of Jesus, giving generously to the world around them and drawing people to Christ with the story of their experience with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has blessed your life, and if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.